Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Chris. I'm one of the pastors at Cornerstone Church Wirral in Merseyside, and I'm joined by Josh Walsh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Wirral. And today we're going to chat about what it could look like to rise and build using some of that language from the people's response in Nehemiah 2. And we hope that the members of the church and really anyone who's listening finds this podcast episode useful as they grow in their faith in Christ and as they step out into all that God has called them to do. This podcast is simply an extension of the ministry that we already do at Cornerstone Wirral in order to encourage you and equip you as members of the church while you're on mission for Jesus in the world around you. So you're invited into the conversation with Josh and I as we discuss relevant and current topics to equip the church, as well as share stories that will encourage you as you step into all that God has before us. So Josh, recently we've been having a lot of conversations uh, about what the next decade of Cornerstone Church World could look like. It's been quite exciting, but also at times a little bit nerve wracking as we like try to establish what that could look like. What's your heart going forward? What's that 30,000 foot picture look like in your mind at this moment? Well, hey there, everyone. Thank you for listening in. I think when we planted the church, we intentionally called the church Cornerstone World because we had a heart to see the whole of the world, one for Jesus, to see uh, every man, woman and child come into contact with somebody who would proclaim Jesus and live out Jesus before their very eyes. So as we planted the church, that felt like a very uh, large vision that seemed too large to achieve and be realized. And in many ways it is in our own strength, but through the transforming power of the gospel, that is achievable. So I think our heart has always been to be a church that makes disciples, grows disciples, and multiplies disciples across the world. So our heart's always been a church that multiplies, multiply leaders, multiply churches uh, for the glory of God. So we want to see uh, a church or gospel communities, a neighborhood of gospel communities in every ward of world. World is divided up into 23 wards, roughly averaging 15,000 in each. And if every one of those wards could have a neighborhood of gospel communities or its own gospel-centered church in it, that's what our grand vision should be to see. That's what I feel the Lord's burdened us with. That's how I think the Lord has led us over these last few years into a clarity around the direction that we should be moving in. I remember five and a half years ago, in fact, it would be six years ago now, I came to the world uh, in February 2017 and was kind of showing around the world by you, Josh, uh, showing the, the vision, told the vision of, of what Cornerstone World was all about uh, and the hopes and the aspirations of that. And it's been it's been such an exciting journey to, to see that gradually step by step forward movement, sometimes a little bit of backwards movement, but gradually uh, seeing God work through this, this small church in the world peninsula uh, seeking to make Jesus known in this place. And it's exciting to see the relationships and the influence that is building uh, so that more churches, healthy churches can be planted and revitalized in all of those wards. And so as we can hopefully, God willing, see the 330,000 people of this place uh, come to, to interact with people at least who know Jesus, to be invited to come and see Jesus for themselves and uh, by God's grace, come to know Jesus for themselves. Whenever I hear that 30,000 foot kind of image in the picture, I'm always, I don't know whether I'm a guy who likes to kind of fix things and put things in order. How do we begin to reverse engineer things in order to get those next steps in place? What are, what are some of the obstacles? What are some of the limitations that we need to foresee? And by God's grace, we need to help to overcome. 
I think what we've learned from the book of Nehemiah thus far is that it begins, uh, it begins with a burdening for that vision, uh, which is God's vision. It, 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 it then leads into prayerful planning, fasting. Uh, it moves into the people being galvanized and unified around that direction. And it leads to the people actually going and putting that to putting that into action. So I think if you take those steps from Nehemiah, I think what we're beginning to see is we're very much at a phase of being burdened by that vision. Mm. And as you said, this isn't a new vision. You know, no. this has always been a vision of the church since we planted. When you become a member of the church, you, 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 you this is what you're stepping into. Uh, but that that old vision, in many ways, is becoming new again and becoming realized. So it starts starts with every member grasping it. It, it leads to every member responding in prayer. And we as a church will corporately do more prayer and fasting this year into this. And that looks like being galvanized to, to be unified around that vision and to step into that vision. Uh, that's, that's the kind of real next steps for that. It's going to require a number of practical things, but we trust the Lord of that. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, we need resource to do that. We need financial resource for that. We need leaders to lead in those contexts. Uh, we need training to happen for that to be realized. Mm. Uh, we need good partnerships to happen because uh, we can't do this on our own. We're thankful for the partnerships we've had down through the past 10 years and more uh, that has helped us get to this, po- this point. Mm. And so we realized that we're going to need partnerships going forward. But also we got to realize that actually we're in the position now where we need to give more perhaps than we receive. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give. Uh, there's lots of churches on world who could benefit from that help and that we have been helping mm. uh, over these number of years now. We're actually been come alongside them and partner with them in a way that perhaps we couldn't previously. So I think there's external partnerships to that. I think there's the partnership within the body of the church uh, navigating in that. Uh, so there's lots of practical stuff, but then there's also the spiritual sense of prayerfully planning uh, and stepping into that. And then there's that unifying part. I love when Nehemiah gathers the people, he he sets them, here's the reality of the walls in the city. Now let's rise up and build. Mm. And I think we're, we're, we're very much in that stage. It's here's the reality. Let us rise up and build. Um, there'll be obstacles to that. Of course, there's, uh, somebody put it to me recently in the church that Sundays feel just about right. Building's full. Um, but it's not too full where it feels uncomfortable. And it's not, there's no gaps left. So it doesn't feel too, uh, you, you know, we're, we're just right. Uh, but that's a dangerous place to be that we're saying. So mm. That's really dangerous because we just get comfortable and we can just uh, shut up shop uh, and we're kind of done. You know, we've, 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 have we achieved the goal that we set out to do 10 years ago to have a full building? Well, no, uh, we haven't whatsoever. So that was a really good observation. And then there was... Um, that sense of like, we are now, we're now in a position to do this, that while we've been talking about this for a number of years, I think for many people who've talked to me recently have said, now it feels like the right time. Like something's different about this. We're actually stepping into this in a way that we've learned from the past. We've grown in maturity uh, and actually we're stepping into this wisely, uh, not trying to run ahead of anyone, but actually together move in this direction. There's loads of people within the church who have, as they've heard this burden, as they've felt this burden, have said, yes, we are ready. We're ready to rise up and build. Is there ever a time that it's right to, to wait and uh, to, to think a little bit longer? Um, or is it as soon as that burden's felt that we, we jump straight in? What, what's kind of, where are we placed in, the, in this whole situation? 
We've talked about prayer and fasting. So there sounds like there's a little bit of time. Um, what, what those next steps look like in terms of stepping forward, don't you? So I think what we are doing as elders is that we're prayerfully planning, but we're also prayerfully assessing where we're at. So it would be a mistake to, to seek to plant churches purely to create space in our building. Mm. That would be a wrong reason to plant the church. It would be better to plant the church because there's a genuine felt need in the locality that we are planting. So I think that explains what the prayerfully assessing is. So we are, we are looking for clear things that are going to help us understand, okay, now is the time to do it. Mm. Um, some of those things are a very clear culture of the gospel at work. So the gospel is transforming lives, both growing in maturity of disciples and new converts being one. There's a culture of discipleship that's happening in the informalness of life. There's a, there's a clear culture of community that, that, that people in that locality are doing life together. Mm. Uh, They're doing life in community. There's a shared life together. There's an overlapping of their life as a gospel community in a neighborhood and the local community that's happening. There's a presence that's felt and an influence that's being exerted. There's a clear culture of mission happening. Uh, an everyday mission uh, that that people are actually know the names of their neighbors, the shop owners, the postmen. Uh, they're engaging in the local schools, um, and and there's a clear, clear kind of move toward them of uh, unbelievers regularly interacting with the gospel community in and out of one another's homes. Uh, the gospel community are getting to know the names of the neighbors. They're praying for them regularly. And I think also the last one would be a culture of multiplication that has already happened. So disciples are being made and multiplied. Leaders are being trained and multiplied. Gospel community is growing and multiplying and that neighborhood is functioning. So I think when is the time to go? Well, time to go. I think there are triggers that you can kind of look at and go, okay, now it feels like very much uh, is the case. And I think across the life of our church, all those things are happening and they're all happening to various different degrees and various mm. different places. So it's a case of prayerfully observing and prayerfully assessing where, where we are at uh, to, to bef- before, before we would go in that sense. And I'd really want the church to come alongside us yeah. and, and, and agree with us in those things to kind of be able to go, I can see that happening there. I can see a vision for this. I can see the direction of this. I can see that person or I can see those people. I can see that happening, uh, that there's a real need for a church in that locality uh, because it is a stumbling block and barrier to an obstacle to them in their mission to bring their people in a 20 minute drive to a, a building in Bevington on a Sunday. That's a real hindrance to their mission. And so I think, I think those things are bubbling. Mm. And so it would be naive or foolish to wait two years and then realize that's happening. So it's actually, okay, that is happening. Okay. How do we prayerfully plan and move forward to, to be prepared for that to happen? And so as a church, we are seeking to, to, to pray. We, we, we've shared that burden with uh, all of the members of the church. We we're seeking to, to pray into that over the, the coming months. We see Nehemiah as an example who is, who's praying for, for three, four months and preparing for maybe a longer extended period of time. Um, how do we prepare then as individuals? 
as gospel communities, which is our kind of way of doing discipleship and mission in the context of the community in which they're based. So quite geographical in many senses, uh, but relational and intentional. How, how do we see or how do we help and equip uh, individuals, gospel communities, and then the, the, the wider community in which they meet as a neighborhood to, to go about preparing for this? Yeah, I think that the healthy culture, the culture of the church is really the culmination of the culture of healthy disciples. So the culture we get as a church is a reflection in the main of uh, your own personal walk with Jesus. So as individuals, it looks like living a godly life. Uh, I was preaching to Timothy Free somewhere else recently. And and there's that sense of uh, living a godly life. And I summarized it as loving God and loving others. So it's having disciples who are loving God and loving others in their context. It's living a godly life. What does it mean to live a godly life? What might that look like? Well, some of the practical outworkings of that is regularly in, 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 in the word, regularly in prayer, regularly gathering with God's people, regularly viewing your life as the missional life that it is, understanding that wherever you go, you're an ambassador for Christ, understanding wherever you go, uh, you're carrying with you the light of the gospel. Like, how are you proclaiming that and how are you living that out on display? So the church really is only as healthy as its members are healthy. Uh, You won't find a healthy church if its members aren't healthy. So individually, it looks like taking responsibility for your own spiritual vitality and growing in it. And what we're, what we do as a church is we create constructs, you know, gospel communities, neighborhoods, Sunday gatherings. They are there to help the body grow in that spiritual vitality. Uh, they are there so that we all grew up into Christ into full maturity so that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind and wave and cunning doctrine. Actually, we are growing up into health as a healthy body grows. So individually, that's what it looks like. It looks like, it looks like viewing the church. Uh, I was thinking about this recently. Uh, I think in our, in our culture today, we, a healthy life views the church as an addition to make my life better. Whereas I don't see that in, in the Bible. In in the Bible, I think what it says is a disciple is one who orientates his life around a healthy church rather than uh, I, I add a church to my already healthy life. And so I just think, I just think like that's going to be one of the obstacles we face uh, in this culture, in this day and age. It's a subliminal message that we are listening to and learning in the culture. We are, we are taught that, that my life is about me and I add to my life what benefits me and I only give in my life to what benefits me and I want to see a clear return in fruit. But when you're working in the kingdom of God as disciples, the fruit that we're aiming for is eternal. Uh, the the labor we give is for eternal reward uh, of seeing many people one for Jesus to see Jesus' name glorified and made famous. So so we cannot function in, in the church thinking about it through the lens of earthly fruit, but rather spiritual and eternal fruit. And I think that'll be a challenge for some people. Um, because it may feel like we're not seeing a return for what we're doing or um, we are, we're being sacrificial in this way, but, but where is it? You know, like a business, if we were to start a business, you'd expect to see a certain return after yeah. three years. Where's the return on investment yeah. on that? Uh, but in the economy of the kingdom of God, that's not how it works. Amen. 
I've been reading Acts recently, just going through the book of Acts as my uh, part of my devotionals. And and we've been talking about this as, as elders as well, how there's often these kind of, there's these rhythms within Acts as the, as the spirit empowers and, and comes at Pentecost um, and it emboldens the, the disciples, the apostles to be able to proclaim the gospel. It proclaims the, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. And what we see is then converts coming believers in their droves coming um, and communities being transformed by the power of the gospel. You just look at Acts 2, you see uh, the communities being transformed. And then over that is then the the, the growth of, of leaders, the disciples, discipling of leaders uh, to be able to, to move into those communities to, to help serve and to lead and to, to pastor and shepherd those people. And then we see as those begin to increase in number and multiply the, the gospel going out beyond those borders uh, and churches being planted. That's kind of what we've been talking about as we, as we've been sharing um, the, the kind of the next steps, we're looking for those moments of, of whenever it crosses the border whenever there's a need elsewhere, whenever the momentum has been built with, with converts, with people in their, growing in their spiritual vitality together. But as I was going through, yeah, I, I, I saw time and time again, opposition arise uh, to these moments. Uh, so early on, you see the persecution of, of the Jews of, who, have, who, have been, um, who have been converted. So you, you see Stephen as a, as a prime example of someone who is being martyred and killed because of his his firmly held belief. Uh, and, and as you walk through the, the, the rest of Acts, you see people respond in, in the communities as, as things are changing because the kingdom of God is advancing. People's hearts and minds are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And you see that butt up against the, the, the culture, the world at the time. And you see like in Thessalonica, the, the kind of the, the people just not being happy that lives are being changed and it's ruining their financial uh, opportunities. And, and you see beatings, imprisonment, mockery, scorn, um, death in many ways. And, and, and as that continues, we see throughout the Bible that we shouldn't be surprised at that. Um, and just from Sunday, our past sermon, we were talking about opposition and, and thinking through the opposition that in Nehemiah's day that they were experiencing the external op- opposition from people who were against them, enemies of God and his people. And as we reflect on actually where we're at, oftentimes it's not the external opposition that's going to be the, the real obstacle. Uh, it's, it's what's within us. It's those who are closer to, to home. It's our friends. It's, it's our family members. It's the ones who are saying, but have you thought about this? Your, your own comfort. Have you thought about this? You're like, you're putting all this effort into things and like, what are you getting out of it? Like, why are you giving up so much of your time to that when you could be enjoying yourself? You could be enjoying family and friends and holidays and cars and new houses and decorating, whatever it might be. I was just really struck by the reality that often we are the problem. We can cause the obstacle unless our hearts are transformed, unless our hearts are kingdom minded, unless our hearts are ready to say, yes, let us rise up and build. Uh, but too often our hearts are, oh, let's just, let's just wait. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready to, to do this. I'm, I'm comfortable where I am. Just like you said, that, that, that person looking at the church and, and realizing positively that this could feel really comfortable, but that's the wrong perspective to have. 
Um, we need to grow in that kingdom mindedness. Um, and I'm just struck like why we don't experience that external opposition as much as they did in Acts or throughout the, uh, the New Testament as the church expanded, as the kingdom of God expanded so quickly. Any thoughts on that? Uh, we, <clears throat> we don't experience external opposition because our missional lives don't really worry Satan. That's a heavy word. Let's be honest. Like I'm honest about myself. I live a, I live a life that at times can be described as lukewarm. Mm. You know, like am I zealously making much of Christ in every moment of my life? Am I zealously seeking to make Christ known? Am I zealously trying to make disciples of Jesus? Am I zealously being sacrificial of all the time and energy I have to to make Jesus known? Am I focusing my energies into what's of an eternal reward and what's of a, or what's of a earthly reward. So I think if we started redirecting all of our time, energies and resources into kingdom mindedness, then the local establishments of Wirral might begin to notice. Might they? they? They might begin to notice that, wow, like this whole section of Wirral society that we were targeting are no longer there. Mm. You know, let's think of all of the resources that we spend on our kids' clubs. So I've done this, you know, send Evie for swimming lessons or mm. Ezra to a football camp or whatever. Let's take all of the money that we've spent over this past 10 years as families in our church that we've sent to send our kids on these things. I'm not saying that we just shouldn't do these things. I'm just, let's just play a little hypothetical exercise here. And let's put all that money together. I guarantee we could fund a church plant for the next three years. Let's let's think about all. Uh, could did we have to upsize to that size house, or could have we been okay on this size house? Let's take all that money we spent on that, and I guarantee we'll be able to fund free church planter salaries for the next nine years. And so, and so like, you know, this isn't to bring a heavy word of conviction to anyone. It's just to bring like Nehemiah did the sense of reality to the circumstance because the people in Jerusalem had been existing there for 114 years since Zerubbabel had did, had took the first wave back 14 years since Ezra took the second wave back. And now Nehemiah arrives. What did he, what did he find? A people who had learned to live the status quo. Mm. They became comfortable in Jerusalem that they no longer saw the walls as broken down. They no longer saw themselves as vulnerable and they no longer saw the need. So the greatest threat to Cornerstone World being a church that realizes the God-given vision to see multiple churches planted and revitalized across world will be its people no longer walking in the reality of where we find ourselves and rather learning to live in a, in a bubble that things are okay. That will be the greatest issue. And that's why we don't face external opposition because Satan's not that worried by our lukewarm missional lives. So therefore what ends up happening is the opposition becomes internal mm -hmm. because the wrestle comes with 50% of the church who want to rise up and build, but they're met with 50% that are just want to be comfortable. I don't want church to change. I love turning up when it's a full building and there's a full complement every week of 10 people serving on kids church. And there's a full kids, uh, youth, youth work team that provide youth for my kids every week. And, you know, I don't have to serve every week. Uh, I can just turn up and receive. I don't have to even turn up because people wouldn't even notice that I'm not there because the room is full. And, you know, I love it when it's like that. But when 
we multiply and we, a third of the church go function on a Sunday service somewhere else and a third of the church goes somewhere else and there's a third left here and it's kind of like, oh, it was, it's, 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 it's hard now. It's, oh no, I might have to serve every four weeks instead of every six weeks and, oh, I might need to actually do something and, oh, maybe I need to lead something or, you know, I don't want to lead people or maybe I need to give a bit more and I'd, I'd rather go on that extra holiday or it's, you, you see I me, mean? so eternal opposition comes because, uh, because we're not, we've lost sight of the vision. We've lost sight of what's most important. We've, we've not, we're not keeping the main thing, the main thing mm. anymore. And that is the greatest challenge to church planting. We are so blessed to be part of a, uh, a network called uh, Acts 29, which really helps seek to stimulate and facilitate church planting globally. They, they plant churches worldwide, which is why we're part of it, because we're committed to seeing that worldwide uh, mission uh, and we can't do that on our own. So we partner with organizations like that to be part of that global vision. And, I, and I'm finding time and time again that that people are seeking to plant the church, but the ability to keep planting churches gets lost because it can become about, I need to establish a certain ministry or these ministries, or I need to sustain these ministries, or I need to uh, think about what's sustainable and all these things and actually we lose sight of it. Particularly in our Western world, you go to Africa and the guys are planting churches left, right and center, planting churches nearly every other week because our Western comforts actually stop us from our from actually being on mission when we turn up to church and we and we ask does the music suit my preference does the kids ministry suit my preference is there is there parking nearby is the coffee hot and nice uh, you know it's we are when we start asking questions like this we're so far away from the church that's described in acts as yeah. that you described for us and that's why there's no external opposition because satan ain't that worried if our coffee is hot or cold. Yeah. And whenever you think of, of church in that way, whenever you think of a church plant as being something that's completely organized, completely comfortable straight away, you're not going to plant that church. You're going to find that it's hard graft and you're actually putting more pressure on the, the leaders of that plant to, to make something for you rather than being on mission and seeking to to share your faith and Jesus with the people around you so as to build his church rather than build the comfort of my church. Um, I think some, sometimes even the, the internal opposition of, I, I, or, or fear or, or I, I don't know what to do in terms of like, how do I share my faith? Just those simple realities of, I, I don't believe that God can save. And so I haven't seen faith. I haven't seen people come to faith and therefore I, I'm not going to do anything about it. There's, there's this kind of internal kind of almost like a, a, a circular kind of argument going on that because I'm not seeing it, I'm not going to do it. Whereas the reality is God calls us to go out in our weaknesses, in, in our weak, um, uneloquent wisdom to go out and proclaim Jesus. And so may, maybe in terms of us stepping out in faith, this next season is, is simply seeking to intentionally share the gospel with, let's say five people over the course of this next year. Imagine if every single person in our church did that. Imagine what God could do if, if he called each of those five people to himself. Our building is too small for that. Um, but the world is in need of that. 
and we would be able to plant into wherever those people are congregated and, and raise a, a, a church there in order to invite more and more people along to that. That excites me. And that's, that's simple, that's tangible, but yet it's scary. Um, but we need to overcome some of those fears. Um, we don't have that external opposition. We don't have people at, at the walls seeking to fight us. Now we simply have our own kind of fear going on in our hearts. So what would it look like for us to actually step out in those fears and, and pray and trust God and remembering that God is awesome and he is great and that he will fight for us and rising up and building. And that building is by, by reaching more and more people for the kingdom of God, uh, gathering those living stones together and letting them be built up into what God is creating his living temple. And I'm so encouraged by the church recently. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the church respond since September, particularly there's been a dynamic shift. There has been a shift in people I'm seeing and hearing stories of people who are talking about their neighbors, the lost men and women in their lives, the family members, the people who don't know Jesus. And they're, they're talking about him in a way that's different and you know, we as we as elders want to say to the church that we want to do everything we can to equip you for that work. We don't want to distract you with activities and programs and ministries that will not serve you in your need to go make disciples. And that's going to require many different people, but all of us are called to that great commission. And yet we will have opportunity to all share our gifts and skills and passions to be able to build that up in a way that's going to make that happen. And so, yeah, I'm incredibly excited by that as well. And yeah, I have to overcome my own personal worries and fears and insecurities uh, to be part of that as well. So I, I've, I get excited talking about this thing, but I also know my own weaknesses in this. Mm. And, um, and so I've, I feel very much like I am one of those congregants that you described yeah. as well. Yeah, I think we all are. I think that that's the reality of this. We need to consider ourselves and uh, inspect and assess ourselves. We, we, we've maybe been doing a, a look at our own spiritual vitality, but what is the, what is the, the, the burden that God's put a, upon us, but also what is the reason that we might be a problem to fulfilling what God has ahead of us? What, what are we becoming as an obstacle? Why are we becoming an obstacle? Uh, what is it that we're fearful of? And actually reflecting and, and dealing with some of that stuff. And that's something I would encourage everyone to do is to, to think through, um, am I the reason that we're not stepping forward in, in this within my own sphere of influence, within my own friends, within my own gospel community, within the neighborhood? Am, am, I the, am I the problem? Am I the stumbling block uh, that's preventing this from happening? Am I holding down the, the building blocks so that no one can rise up and build. We would love to hear from you if, if that's something you want to share with us and, and share your story with us. Uh, we love talking about this kind of stuff, as you know. Uh, we know that it's useful. Many of you have been sharing um, how you find this these podcast episodes useful, uh, but we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your thoughts and maybe some of the questions that you have as we consider just one more thing each and every week. What are you burdened by? What are you burdened by in your community? It's going to be different uh, for different communities, uh, but what are you burdened by that a local church plant could actually help solve? 
uh, we'd love to hear from you. Why don't you share some of that uh, conversation uh, with us? Uh, ask any questions that you have. Send us an email to chris at cornerstonechurchworld.org. Uh, and we would love to, to chat with you, reflect on that, maybe share some of those things, maybe even have you on this podcast down the line uh, to share how you've... Uh, assess that and then come to grow by God's grace into what he has called you to do. Uh, well, that's just one more thing for this week. We hope you find this episode useful. It's been encouraging reading your responses to the recent episodes. Do keep sharing them with us. And if you enjoyed this episode, go on and subscribe on whatever app that you use to listen to podcasts and share it. Talk about it with your friends and others who might find it useful. And that's us for now. God bless. And we'll catch you soon for just one more thing. <laughs>